Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome to Soul to Soul, right here on 101.9 Hi FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kiban. It's great to be with you here this wonderful afternoon. And I'm very excited to inform you about a great new course that we are planning to launch next week called Give Prayer a Chance. And the idea behind this course, which you could join us for on Wednesday mornings at Chabad House in Savoy at 10.15 a.m. or at the Santon Central Shul Chabad Goodness and Kindness Center Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. is we're going to examine and explore the Jewish art of prayer and spiritual experience. As we're all getting ready for the high holidays, Yom Narayim, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, it's all around the corner, and it's a time to try to understand what is it exactly that we do in the shul. And our intention is that by participating in this course, we're going to together explore and study the history and the philosophy of Jewish worship. We'll hopefully discover the deep and elegant structure that's embedded within the Jewish prayer book, within the Siddur or the Machsa that's used on the festivals. And within the traditions and customs that are practiced and experienced in the shul, we do so many different things that people oftentimes wonder, what is this about? An outsider it certainly looks peculiar. And as life is the way it is, we have various responsibilities of life that pulls us in so many different directions that we really hardly get a chance to reflect on our lives, about our mission in this world, what's true, what really matters to us. Even a lot of religion seems to become routine, and we don't have that that heartfelt feeling and spirituality that we really should be experiencing in a shul. So what we intend to do with this course, for everyone who comes and join us, we're going to have various sources and texts, and we're going to try to debunk that idea, the lack of feeling and meaning in the shul experience. And certainly our hope is to reclaim the spirit that's within the spiritual practice. And that Speaking of that, this is the appropriate time to be doing exactly that because we're in the month of Elul. And this month is a time for self-introspection, for a deep look and examining in who we are and areas that we can improve. And of course, in the Parsha this week, Kitavo, it talks about Vidoy Maestris, which is the confession of the tithes that we brought. And interestingly, if you pay attention to the Torah portion this week, you'll notice that it's not one of those confessions in a negative kind of sense where... I'm admonishing myself and self-critical for all the things I've done wrong. On the contrary, it is acknowledgement of all the good things that I've done right. And that's important as we do the self-accounting, just like you would in a business from time to time, maybe even every day, take stock, see what kind of, what the revenue, the turnover, everything, how it's going. Likewise, we have to do that with ourselves. And that's called cheshban and nefesh. It's a custom of fact to do that every single day. And it's a good, wise advice. But certainly during this time of year, when we reflect back in the year that was, we acknowledge the flaws, the shortcomings, while also being proud of and aware of all the good things we've done and just recognizing which areas we can improve and how we can become better because if good is good, isn't better, far better. So this is the appropriate time to do the same thing when it comes to what are we doing in the shul? What is the purpose? What are we trying to achieve? And when we look at our prayers, the, the, the things we do, the things we say, the traditions, the customs, they really 
outline the, the, the way we want to express our feelings to Hashem and allow us to communicate with the Almighty with something much larger than ourselves and feel comfort and shelter within a reality that's more whole and more intense, more real, more beautiful than a lot of the chaos that we experience and endure on a constant daily basis. And so this is an opportunity to really reflect on that. We, we tend to often term prayer, we want to, we want to daven, we want to pray to God when we're out of options, when we're seeking some kind of magical intervention, when we're having trouble dealing with what life throws our way. Prayer is meant to be so much more than that. It's a way to relieve stress, to find focus, clarity, connection, to draw a, that spirituality into our lives. And prayer is a chance for meditation to contemplate on the greatness of God and on the world, the vast world and all the blessings that God provides us with. So when you pray, it's that moment to connect to a raw and vulnerable place within us. Even just to start each day from a positive and humble and, and grateful frame of mind, to start with an attitude of gratitude, which is the very first words we utter every single morning when we say, Modani, we acknowledge and thank God for restoring our life within us, for giving us back our soul. And so what we're going to do, please God, over the coming weeks is examine the Jewish prayer book and the rituals and ask and explore questions such as what is Jewish prayer? How do we achieve intimacy with God? What is the mystical meaning, the, the power and the impact of our prayers? And if prayer is a journey, what is its destination? How do we practice focused mindfulness while engaging in our day-to-day responsibilities and all the different things that are pulling our lives in so many different directions. And here's the opportunity. In fact, Judaism tells us you could do it anytime, but there are three dedicated times a day to focus and to talk to God and to discover the deeper self. And that's something that is not taught or experienced by most Jews because it's just something that we do. And here's an opportunity to tackle this aspect, this area, and, and bridge the gap. And that's the intention that we want to do here. And there'll be meditations within the course that are built into it, and we're going to explore different aspects. And even though the course itself is created about prayer in general, we're going to take some time. In fact, we're going to do that here on the show today, focusing specifically on the prayers of the high holidays. And we hope that by you coming to join us, you'll feel and learn and explore and grow and develop and become far, far better in so many aspects and areas of life that we really want to grow in. So this is a work in progress, and we're really hoping that you're going to come and be part of this. And we're going to, in fact, as there's only two weeks left to the high holidays, so hopefully that's three segments here on the show. The intention on this show will be specifically to focus on the machzer. And of course, like touring a city, we're not going to get to everything, but we're going to certainly try our best. And my intention is to point out some sites as we pass them as the tour guide. And we're going to stop at some, take for a closer look and others just to indicate that we're there. And we're going to start with the framework. What makes up the service? What are its fundamental components? What is added on to it. We're going to ask big questions like what's the purpose of prayer? And we're going to just 
try to get the answers. And the answers might be different for each person. So once we cover the basics, we're going to get to the fancy stuff, the special parts that we pray just once a year at the peak times of Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. Now, many courses are, you know, overwhelming with lots of texts. Our intention is instead of overwhelming you with texts, although the first lesson is going to have a certain number of texts to build the framework, we're going to spend more time in the actual books and your sitter and your master. So you'll find the page number. We'll look at it together and say, look, we're looking at this particular prayer. And the idea is that when you focus, when you understand and appreciate what a prayer is about, then hopefully you could spend some time there and focus on it and and just, if it resonates with you, connect there and, and spend some time there. So that is important as we're going. You know, the there might be some repetitive ideas, although there's time short, so I'm not intending to repeat too much, but I must give a little caveat there that as you look in the machser or any prayer book, in fact, there's plenty of repetition. So please don't hold me accountable if I do repeat some ideas over. The benefit of repeating something over and over is that it really drills that idea once again, but the purpose is not to be redundant and superfluous and, and getting go, going over something over and over. But if we do repeat something, it would probably be just for the sake of clarity. And I hope that's not off-putting because that's not the intention. The intention purely is just to make sure that it's the most meaningful and purposeful high holiday experience. So let's think of it this way. You want to build a house. What do you need? If you answered that you need concrete and you need wood and you need metal, now, obviously, you're right, and it's going to come to furnishings and all the other things. You need proper building materials first. And obviously, yes, you might need an architect and a contractor and all the other things, too. But that's not all. Another correct and important thing that you would need is some time. It takes time. Timing is an integral part of the process. And all time is not equal. Sometimes of the year, it might be too cold or too wet to build, then it comes December and contractors are off onto other things. And you have to factor and consider that as well. So we're looking at the architecture of our sacred liturgy of the prayer book. There are several elements that we have to consider too. First is the what. What are we doing when we pray? What is prayer's function? Then of course there's the how. What formulas do we use? What forms do we do, do our prayers take, right? What, 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 what is it, you know, if you're just reading the book, we don't necessarily see and pay attention to that. So there's the element of time, everyday services, we daven three times a day. But that differs very much from the prayers of Shabbos, because on Shabbos, there's a different form and a different function and different tunes and different, it's a whole different structure. Right? Then there's another category, holidays. And within ho- holidays, there's the Shalav Shugalim, the three pilgrimage festivals. And then there are the high holidays, which is Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So when we look inside the Siddur, you look inside any prayer book, you notice, you observe several strata, layer upon layer, not lying atop of each other in a linear way, but intertwined, in- interwoven. And it forms this sophisticated and exquisite texture that's uniquely styled for each holy day. So, for example, there is the, let's think, we have prayers that we say every single day of the year, right? We we, we say 
Modani, when we wake up. There is then Shema. We say the Shema every single day. The Shema is the most fundamental Jewish prayer, expressing our belief in one single almighty God. There's the Amidah. But then within the Amidah, you're going to see the different strata, the different levels. Then, of course, there are special prayers that are only for extra holidays, uh, like, like Musaf, right? Musaf is an addition that's only on Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh and Yom Tov. And then extra parts that are specifically for festivals like Yala Yavo, and then we have all the specific things that are unique to once a year or to a particular holiday. And of course, these are not discrete layers. They combine this inextricably forming um, tapestry that is unique to the day. So the Shema that we say every day is is a daily prayer, but when you're going to say it on Rosh Hashanah, it is going to be unique by itself. Think about this. You take your morning coffee, for example, right? You have it every day, but it isn't always the same experience. It's different when you're, say, on holiday and you're in Kruger Park and watching the animals there and you're watching a chase. It's a different experience. It's even more different when there's extra special times like the morning of your wedding day or when, you know, uh, whatever special experience you might be experiencing. So while it's the same prayer, it takes on a whole new aura, a new dimension, a different experience. And that's just one dimension, of course. Another dimension concerns the architects or the contractors, the people that, that wrote these prayers over the generations, which we're going to explore as well. And when you look on the pages of your sitter, you might find the words of different eras. There's the Bronze Age monarch uh, and a middle level, a medieval age sage. So there's different, different genres or different composers and authors of these prayers. So one of our goals is to identify who are these artists who composed, who wrote, who authored these prayers that we sing today. And they gave voice to the call of our people over our millennia-long history. And by identifying them, that's just one step, but it gives us perspective into what they had in mind in the prayer, and maybe we can understand their world and their challenges, their, their, their struggles, their successes, their hopes, their aspirations. And we can then begin to see what each of them contributed to the conversation, why their words became so timeless, and how they could be relevant and speak to us in our 21st century lives. Of course, what about materials? You're doing construction. It's not just about creating something from nothing. It's about finding the proper components, cutting them to the correct dimensions, fitting them to each other in a way that they become something that's entirely new, right? You buy a bunch of of, of, of wood pieces, right? Whatever size they might be. You cut them to the precise measurement that you need them. Now, some of the pieces become scaffolding for the building, right? They help you build. Others might become the frame of the structure of the, you know, become an integral part of what you're actually building. They, they might become uh, window frames or, or doorways and, and furniture, all kinds of things. Now, to do all this, the wood alone is not enough. 
what else do you need? You need to add metal fasteners, like screws and nails. There's so much that is involved in all this building. So what are the building blocks of the liturgy? The age-old formulas that are designed to contain so many different ideas, so many wants and needs and things. And we'll find that for the most part, a few basic elements are used. And you'll see them over and over throughout our prayers in so many different ways to express so many different thoughts and feelings. But what is it? Now, if you answer that it's a collage of wood and metal, you're technically right, but obviously wrong. Because, you know, a, a square with a triangle on top, maybe, but that's a house, right? That's a place for habitation. We're talking about prayers. What is their function? And that's something we're going to explore as we look through the different categories of prayer, the praise, petition, thanksgiving. And don't let the simplicity of what we're talking about fool you. You know, each of these is a whole universe unto itself, which brings us to one more point before we take our ad break. And that is, say you have all the materials, the designers and the crew, the time, the permits, the patience. Now you have your house. But that isn't the final goal, right? The purpose of the entire enterprise is not just to have a house. A house is a structure. You want to have a home. A home is a place where you feel comfortable to live. And for that, there's one more element that's absolutely crucial. And what is that? The inhabitant, of course. Let's talk more about that. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9. Hi, FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kiedman. It's great to be with you here this wonderful afternoon. And as we've been talking about this great course, Give Prayer a Chance, that is going to be launching next week, just in time to help us get ready for the high holidays on Wednesday mornings, 10.15 a.m. at Chabad House in Savoy, and Wednesday evenings, 7.15 p.m. at Chabad's Guinness and Kana Center, the Santa and Central Shul. And we look forward to welcoming you and exploring different aspects and elements of prayer. Today, we're giving attention to different areas and introduction to the course, but we look forward to see you in person as we examine and explore all the different texts and PowerPoints and videos and meditations. And so far today, as part of our introduction to this exciting course, we've been talking about the building blocks of prayer and talking about how prayer is like building a house, but more importantly than the building materials of the house. And the furnishings is what makes the house a home of course, is the inhabitants. And that is the relevance, this metaphor of a house to prayer. Why we're using that exact idea is because, firstly, where we find ourselves praying, usually, most importantly, it should be in a house of prayer, in a Beit Knesset. Of course, more than that as well, the prayers, a major theme of the prayers of the services, as we're going to see Definitely on Yom Kippur, it's a major theme, but even every single day is the Holy Temple, God's home on earth. And more to the point is the services themselves form an edifice. It's a structure that's created to house what? Our feelings, our pleas, our hopes, our requests, our bond with our creator. It's elements of the elements of prayer combine to provide us with the best tools with which we can connect with Hashem. Of course, those are just tools. They're empty vessels 
that are the words of the liturgy, but it is us who fill those vessels. And the most important thing to remember is that prayer is connection. Hatofel klicheres is the etymology is tofel, which means to connect. So prayer is not just a chance to ask. It is an opportunity to ask God for all our needs and to praise Hashem. But as we're going to discuss, the, the prayers are most importantly a time to connect with Hashem. It's a time to go out for coffee with God Almighty. And think about the difference between a person who only calls you when they need something versus one who connects with you all the time. Think about the difference in a conversation between someone who you turn to for needs or someone who you are connected with. Think about your loved ones, anyone or a close friend who you perhaps connect with regularly. It's a whole different tone. And the idea is the prayer book might help. It might give us the right words to use, but it doesn't do the job for us. The prayer book is like a greeting card where it has nice, fluffy words, compliments, greetings. But it's you who adds your emoji or your signature and your feelings and your heart and the same things with prayer. And it's not always necessary to use the prayer book, to use a greeting card. Connection can happen anytime, most importantly with your own words, which by far transcend, surpass all that a book has to offer. Connection is not something that's limited to the three times a day that we're in school. Connection can happen now in your car. It could be in your, in your bed. It could be anywhere. So if we're to boil it down, what is the point of prayer? It's to get in touch with Hashem. It's actually to connect with yourself because when we realize that those are actually the same things. Connecting with God is connecting with our truer, deeper self, with our soul. So the shul service encompasses a lot more than just prayer. And that's something else we're going to look at and talk about. Because while we're going to focus mostly on the central theme of our course is to focus on the prayers. But we know there's other aspects, other rituals and, and things that happen in the shul that are also part of the prayer for example, you might say, is giving charity. Because on ordinary days, on a weekday, we give charity before or during the services. But on Shabbos Yom Tov, since money cannot be handled according to Jewish law, we do it before the commencement of the holiday. In fact, it's a custom for Jewish women when they can't, when they light their Shabbos Yom Tov candles to give some coins to charity, to be in a habit of giving. And for men as well, and to educate and teach our children the same. And this is a way of, it's like a good omen. I'm being kind and generous to others, and we want God to reflect that upon us as well, to be good, generous, kind, caring to our needs as well. There are other non-prayer elements that we do, like we're going to blow the show for next week. We shake the love of an estrogen sukkah, or we're going to, uh, we read from the Torah on Mondays and Thursdays and Shabbos. We read the half Torahs on Shabbos and Yom Tov and and, and, uh, fast days, etc., so those are different aspects of the prayer that we're going to look at, but we're not going to put too much emphasis on, but they are part of the rituals and experience in the synagogue. Before we launch into the prayers itself, we have to understand the history of the prayer. Because in the Torah, we have very few prayers. We do have some prayers. We see how uh, Rivka prays to God and Yitzchak prays to Hashem. And we have the theme that we're going to look at, the prayer of Chana. And that is something that's going to be read on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, the Haftorah of the story of Chana. We have various prayers throughout Jewish scripture, but maybe one of them is 
one that we read, probably the most fundamental and ancient Jewish prayer that we read in the Torah portion just a few weeks ago, and we say it every single day, and that is the recital of the Shema, which contains the essence of our Jewish faith, our belief in one creator, one God of heaven and earth. And though it's called Kriya Shema, which is a reading, the key here is the meditation that accompanies it. Our sages tell us, which means prayer without focus, meditation, intention, is like a body without a soul. And so we are going to look at various meditations throughout this course, but the importance of understanding the meaning of the prayer, which is something I emphasize, that while in our shul we have a scoreboard in the front of the shul, it tells you what page the cantor, the chazan, is on, it's more important is what page are you on. If you want to be on the same page as the chazan, well, that's the page number you'll see and you'll know. But if you find a particular prayer that resonates with you, that you connect it, spend some time there, focus on that. If you want to know the most important prayer, which is probably the basis, the, 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 the groundwork of all the Jewish prayers, then that would be the Shema. Now, there are various themes within the Shema, which include the imperative, to love Hashem, your God. We're going to look at that, what does it mean to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And to, to study his words. To speak them when you lie down. When you, when you go on the road. When you lie down, when you go to, when, when you wake up. So we're going to understand and, and, and explore what is this commandment and why, in fact, we say the Shema every morning and every evening. Long before you had any liturgical books, a machser, a siddur, or even any any formula for the, the text of the prayer was the Shema. So the Shema is the most ancient prayer. So we're going to take some time to learn and explore and understand the meaning of the Shema. We're going to get to that in a couple of weeks' time. But the Shema really came to be enveloped by language that guides us in, as, as, as worshippers of Hashem, as understanding what is the mindset and the direction that our prayer is meant to take. And we're going to take time to understand that. And another component that we're going to look at is this meaning within the Shema of what does it mean to pray with all of our heart? Because our sages tell us that what is to feel, what is prayer? It is the service of the heart. And think about that for a moment. We have all these texts in our Siddur, in the Machsar, but I want you to know and understand before we even launch into understanding what they all are. They are just an aid, an assistance to our prayer. That's not prayer itself. You know what prayer actually is? Prayer is what happens on the inside. It is the service of your heart. And in fact, the early days of Jewish history, there was no formula. There was no actual sitter. There were no texts. How did people fulfill their obligation, the, the commandment to pray? It was unscripted. It was praying from your heart. Heart felt words. You expressed what you felt. Of course, in later generations, we were assisted with the written texts, the scripts of our prayers that our sages wrote for us, and they're important for us to understand. But before we explore the text, we have to understand the different facets of prayer in form and in function. And that's why I think the Shema is the most fundamental aspect for us to consider before we go forward. Now, understanding the function, all Jewish prayers, when I say all, I mean most, fall into three categories that we say every day. We have the praise, there's petition, 
and Thanksgiving, which is a good general rule for life. If you've ever read Dale Carnegie, you want to achieve something, always start with kind, nice, good words, praise, then launch into your petition, your request, the ask, and of course, always conclude with gratitude, with thanks and appreciation. So a lot of what we say is about how wonderful God is. And these expressions of impressiveness of God can sometimes feel repetitive, especially to the modern ear. And the very concept might seem so strange. When we receive compliments, it feels good. But that's because we're human beings. We have feelings and some of us even have egos. None of what applies to us, can you say, is the same for Almighty God, the omniscient, omnipotent creator of heaven and earth whom we pray to. So why all this praising of Hashem? And there's a vast literature that addresses this very theme, these very questions. And I'm not going to get to all of that today. You're going to have to join us in the course to discuss it. But the point of the praise isn't really for God. Essentially, it is for ourselves. It's a guided meditation. It enables us to appreciate the grandeur of something that's far beyond our comprehension so that we can transcend the boundaries of our own limited perception. We're, we're aware of our limitations, right? We're able to grasp, to hold on to, to visualize some conception of infinity. And this comprehension really shatters our limitedness. We, we soar like eagles. We're seeking our, our uh, uh, you know, reaching higher and higher. But I'm not talking, I'm not saying in a negative way, in a small, tiny way, in the greatest scheme of things, we are understanding our insignificance while also appreciating something we've discussed many, many times here on this show, how indispensable we are to God's plan for this world, that each and every single one of us is of cosmic significance to God. But there's more, there's another thing, it's, it's about love. Love is a whole different kind of a need. Parents hang art that's made by the children on the refrigerator. Not because it's good art. If it was good art, they would hang it on the wall. But because it's from their child. And the same thing I would say, infinitely more so actually, is when we sing to our Father in Heaven. Could there be anything more pleasurable to Hashem than our praises? And that is perhaps the purpose and the reason and something we're going to explore in much greater detail in the course of over the coming weeks. So, my friends, the first thing we start with is the praise. Now, then we move into petition. Now, this might be what we, what we first think of when we imagine prayer. It's, you know, it's the most basic thing. We're asking our Creator for, to provide us with all our needs, material, spiritual, emotional, psychological, whatever we might need. We pray to God for health, for good crops, for good life, for knowledge, for understanding, for wisdom, for whatever we seek and need. Beyond our needs as individuals, we also ask as a community for our collective needs. We pray for peace. We pray for redemption that encompasses all because without peace, no blessing can really endure. And that's why we gather together and as a community to pray for each other. So we pray for our loved ones. We pray for our families. We pray for our brethren all over the world. We pray for all of humanity. And that is what the petition aspect of prayer discusses, and we're going to spend some time as we get into that. And then finally, the third aspect, the third element, the third layer is the thanksgiving. Even as we speak of our own wants and needs, we're cognizant of what's missing, and we reflect on the gifts that we already have. We count our blessings. We're appreciative. While we might feel that we need more, we're grateful for what we already have. 
we realize how very precious life actually is. And we thank the giver, the one who provided us with all these needs for every breath we take when we start the Modani prayer in the morning. You know what it says in the Siddur? Before Modani, it says when you wake up, you recite the Modani. The very fact that we woke up, we have something to be grateful for. We take time every day to clean the lenses through which we see our world. We could be astonished at the sheer wonder of it all. The the wonders of all of creation of the entire universe. And when we're back, we'll take a few moments to look at the how of prayer. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul, right here at 101.9. Hi, I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kiedman. It's great to be with you here this wonderful afternoon. And for the final segment of today's show, we're going to do a quick recap of everything we discussed. We are introducing a great new course called Give Prayer a Chance. And in this course, we're going to prepare and get ready for the high holiday services so you can have a meaningful and uplifting spiritual experience as you spend a lot of time in the shul. And you're wondering, what's going on? What's the purpose behind this all? What's the meaning of the words I'm saying? Well, join us on Wednesday morning at Chabad House in Savoy at 10.15 a.m. Or Wednesday evening, 7.15 p.m. at Chabad Goodness and Kindness Center, Santin Central Shul, where we're going to be exploring these themes. And so far today, we talked about how the services are really multifaceted and multi-layered. We talked about the different aspects and building blocks of prayers and prayers that we recite every day, such as the Shema and the Psuke de Zimra, the songs of praise and the Amida. And of course, specific prayers that are recited on holy days. The Musaf, Yalavi Yavo, Halil. And prayers that are unique to a specific holiday. Like we're going to have Rosh Hashanah, the Malchiot, where we call the regality of Hashem and the coronation of the Almighty. And the Avoda, the temple service that was performed, that was conducted on Yom Kippur. And then there are the Torah readings and performance of various types of mitzvahs that we discussed, like charity or the blowing of the shofar or shaking of the little of an etrog. Of course, we're going to spend some time on each of these. And the most important and fundamental parts of the service, if you have only limited amount of time, you want to focus on a specific prayer, my suggestion would be resetting the Shema, especially its first verse, as this is actually a biblical commandment. When you go to sleep every day, and when you wake up in the morning to recite the Shema, if you have no time for anything else, let it at least be the Shema. And if you're wondering about the specific liturgy and the textual verses and words of our prayers, well, we said how the Torah doesn't even use the word tefillah, but instructs us that we should serve Hashem with all of our heart. And this is the service of prayer. That prayer, while we do spend time on the words, and in fact, our course is going to be all about the meaning and understanding and exploring the words of our prayers. But more important than the words is the feeling and how you feel and connect with Hashem. We'll look at how the service of the early generations, it actually consisted of just these two components. Twice daily, a person would recite the Shema. At least once daily, a person would pray. There were no formal texts of prayer back then. In one's own words, you would pray. You would praise the Almighty. You would ask for your specific needs, what you needed. You started with praise. You, you asked, you petitioned God for what you need, and you gave thanks. This was and is the basic definition of prayer, not only then, but today too. And then we could get into exploring the deeper understanding and meaning, the 
the, all the different aspects of prayer and appreciating and gaining, uh, gaining a greater understanding of prayer is more than just asking, more than just praising, but perceiving, communing, connecting. That is what prayer is about. And it doesn't conflict with our understanding of asking God for things. That's part of it. You see, when the first temple stood, then it was the old way. But after its destruction, we were exiled to Babylon. We lost much of our skill at forming, at articulating, at expressing the words of our heart. That's when the sages, the Anshik Nesat Hagadola, the men of the great assembly led by Ezra and Achemia, and the late prophets of that era, Haggai, Zachariah, Malachi, they created the formula for prayer. And that's the time of the return to Zion and the great assembly when they actually composed and authored much of our prayers today. So before we explore this new formula, we're going to take a look at some of the building blocks that are used in different combinations to form the liturgy. And we're going to look at the history, the biblical passages going all the way back to the, you know, we call it the Tanakh. The Ta is the Torah, the five books of Moses. The Na, the works of the prophets, the Nevi'im. And the Che, which is the word Ksuvim, the writings, the scriptures. Probably most prominent amongst them would be Tehillim, the, the Psalms of King David. That these works were written over, you think about how long ago, uh, you know, long, long time ago. And we're talking about between 3,000 years ago plus. And all the way from that era, all the way through through the times of the judges and the first temple and the Babylonian exile and the return to Zion, all the different prayers that we have, those are the building blocks. And then we have the various blessings, the brachas, the texts which contain the words, Baruch Hashem, blessed are you God. Those were originally formulated by the men of the great assembly and added to over the next several centuries during the Second Temple era, through the generations of the Tanaim and Amorim, which we're going to explore the era of probably around the 3rd century, when Rabbi Yehuda Nasi compiled the Mishnah, and later we got the Gemara, which together composed, give us, gives us the Talmud. And even much later than that, there are many other of the passages and prayers that we're going to be reciting over these high holidays. The hymns that are called Piyutim. They're usually based on and incorporating biblical passages, but many other rabbinic teachings as well. And we're going to explore the period of those piyutim, those, that poetry, the writings that mostly happened later on in the third to sixth centuries of the common era and throughout the middle ages. So we're going to look at many of those and understand what is their relevance to us today when we pray. And we'll look at other aspects of prayer. Devarim Shiv Kedusha, our, our special responsive prayers like Kedusha and Kaddish that are recited only in public worship. And we're going to look at what are those about? Why do we recall the angels in our prayers? We're not angels, we're humans. What does that have to do with us? And we'll look at the text of the prayer that, that was created by the men of the Great Assembly and how it took the form of the prayers we say today. For example, the misnomer, the big misnomer, the Shemona Asfer, 18 blessings, which actually is 19. That's only on weekdays. On Shabbos, on Yom Tov, Seven, what's up with that? We're going to look at it and explore it and please God understand it. And we'll delve into the Rosh Hashanah specific prayers, the sections that are the Malchias, the Chronos and Shofaris. What does that have to do with the royalty, the coronation of God, the, 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 the memories and the Shofar sounds that we recall? It looks quite 
peculiar to the naked eye. And when we look at the various prayers, they have, they contain and are based on all of this rich history. But during biblical times, when these texts were written, they were not actually formulated. They weren't incorporated into the formal liturgy. There was no formal liturgy. And the first formalized text was introduced by these men of the Great Assembly. And just to, I guess, recap again, prayer is that act of connection, of calling out, of reaching up to Hashem, to our Father in Heaven. And like a greeting card text, that's just generic if you're just using the words. It's about the words are there to help us facilitate, to connect our assistance to our prayers. But the prayer ultimately is about our own personal, private connection to Hashem. So my friends, as we are all going to be gathering in our shuls, please God, for the upcoming high holidays, the shuls are never as full as they are on these significant days of the year, the holy days. And rabbis always announce, we're open all year. I wish I could tell that to my congregants. Come, come more regularly. In fact, we have better food during the year than we do on the high holidays. Well, maybe we'll have some good food on the high holidays too. What brings so many people to shul on these particular days? In the sanctity of these holy times, the days of awesome. Certainly, it is a special time, right? But it goes beyond that. These are the times of togetherness, of opportunities for connection. We spend all year leading lives that might be very separate from each other's, each in our own lane, interacting with the people in our own immediate circles or social media feeds. And it's not enough. Every year, our world gets an update. Earth version 5784.0 coming up. And when that happens... We want to be together. We want to check in with each other. To remember on this Yom HaZikaron that we are one. All that love and togetherness can get you pretty high. And it's not just us. Joining us in shul actually are our parents and their parents and theirs. People who went to shul on this day and recited these words, sang these melodies, wished each other heartfelt blessings for a year free from pain. And earlier, before, ancestors whose names we don't even know, but whose blood flows in our veins, whose values we still cherish today. People who lived under czars and my family, and sultans maybe in other people's families, and Caesars, through war and peace, times of famine, times of plenty, all gathering on this day on Rosh Hashanah and saying the words, sounding the same shofars, they're with us. We come together. We wish each other a blessed and sweet new year. And with us in Shul 2 are the authors, the words that we're going to say in this, in that prayer book, in the Machsar. The words that our fathers and mothers have been saying year after year throughout the ages. From the Middle East to Western Europe, from the Bronze Age biblical figures to medieval scholars and martyrs and poets. All those words. Their words have helped through tens of centuries that were not easy. And they were able to sustain us, to give us life, to bring us to this day together. These words that have been repeated of thousands of Rosh Hashanahs and Yom Kippurs in every corner of the globe, who penned them? Well, we don't know all of the names, but if you join us for this course, 
we're going to explore some of them. The ancestors, the prophets, the rabbis, the poets, all of the various authors who contributed to giving us the books of our prayers and the texts of our liturgy that we are going to be reciting. And so when you join us, we're going to go through all of these. And please, God, this will all add for a meaningful and a purposeful high holiday service experience. And we're looking forward to welcoming you us, welcoming you with us, please God, on Wednesday. You're welcome to join us Wednesday morning at Chabad Asin Savoy, 10.15 a.m. Or Wednesday evening at Chabad Goodness and Kindness Center, the Santon Central Shul at 7.15 p.m. as we explore this much deeper. Until then, wishing you a great Shabbos. Carpe diem sees every single moment you have. Remember to aspire before Remember to aspire to inspire before you retire so that you do not expire. Have a great Shabbos. All the best, and thanks for joining us. Carpe diem.